comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyways. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for the people of God. Isn't it good to be here? And to be able to read God's word and together as God's people and to share and and to come to the Lord's table and, and grace upon grace. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this beautiful day that you have made and given to us. We pray now as your word is proclaimed that, that you open our hearts and minds to receive your word. Come Lord Jesus, amen. Have you ever really and truly been afraid? I mean, being really afraid. I have. I have. There was a time in my life at the ripe old age of eight that, and I think why that I was afraid is because my parents were. I can remember mother and daddy being glued to um, the radio. You see Khrushchev and, and the Soviet Union were putting up missiles in Cuba. This was in October 1962. And President Kennedy and his advisors and everything, there was a 13-day standoff. Now, as it worked out, as it worked out, Khrushchev, Premier of the Soviet Union, he said that, that they would stop, that they wouldn't put the missiles up if we would promise not to invade Cuba. Well, I never some, being a history major and, uh, as I am, there were some things that went on behind the scene. We had to take our missiles down in Turkey, but, but we agreed to that. But I can remember the fear, the fear of, of course, in the 50s, it was McCarthyism and, and the communists taking over and, and this and that, but I can remember 
the fear of thinking that our lives were going to change. That somehow, that somehow that the communists were going to strike our land. And the way that we live would never be the same. Living in a, a democracy, living as, as free people, free to worship, free to become whatever it is that God wants us to become. I can remember at eight years old what it was like to be afraid. Imagine how the disciples felt that Grace read to us this morning. The disciples, you see, they knew something about being afraid. And then, and only then, in their midst, like it is with us, Jesus appeared to the ten. Thomas wasn't there and Judas was gone. To the ten. And said, peace be with you. You see, they had every reason in the world to be afraid. They had seen what the religious leaders had, had done to their leader, the one that, that, that raised the dead, that caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, cleansed the leper, those that were socially outcast. He was gone. This is that Easter evening in John's gospel, Easter evening. And they were in the house with the doors bolted shut. Why? They were afraid. They were afraid. They saw. They knew Jesus was nailed to a tree. And they were under a constant threat of persecution. They feared for their lives. They feared for their lives. For most of us, we act like that we're from Missouri. You know, we, we have to, you know, show me. Show me. We have to see before we'll believe. Well, this didn't bother Jesus any, even, even though Mary... Remember last Sunday morning, last Easter morning, Mary came to them and she said, I have seen the risen Lord. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. They had to see the Lord for themselves. Jesus appears and he says, look at my hands. Go ahead, guys, take a good, long, hard look at my hands. What do you see? Look at my side. Where they pierced my side. What do you see? What do you see? When they saw the evidence, notice that. When they saw the evidence, they finally rejoiced, finally rejoiced because they knew it was the Lord. It wasn't enough for Jesus to appear among them. To appear among them. They had to see the scars. And Jesus was scarred, all right. I don't know what your Jesus looks like. I know what mine does. And all I have to do when I go to the cross is look at his hands, look at his side. Think about how he was beaten before he went to the cross. Yes, my Jesus is scarred. When they saw the evidence, they rejoiced because it was the Lord. Jesus repeats himself. He says, peace be with you. That's the second time. He uses that. Peace be with you. And it would be real good with the church if Jesus had stopped right there. We like that. We like this peace being with us, don't we? We do. I want peace. I pray for that every day and wisdom and guidance and, and, and discernment to lead the church, God's church. 
Pray that every single day of my life. But Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. You've got to be kidding. You've got to be kidding me. Just as the Father sent me, so I send you. Hang on for just a minute. I've been with you in John's gospel. We know because of the Passovers that, that Jesus went to. Been with you for around three years now. And I saw how people treated you, how they mocked you, how they made fun of you. You know, I don't want folks mocking me. I don't want thanks, folks thinking that I'm holier than thou. I don't want to have to be part of a, a, a building program that, that, that causes people to get mad at me or what kind of building and where and all that stuff. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And I sure don't want to go out here when the Lord opens the door for me, for me to be able to share the love and the grace of Jesus Christ with my testimony for one minute. Remember, you can give your testimony in one minute. Don't bore people to death. Tell them your testimony and you can do it in one minute. If you can't practice up on it, then you can do it in one minute. But, but anyhow, you've got to be kidding. God sent you, so now you're sending us. That's right. Oh, I want to stay where it's comfortable. I had rather be here and be afraid. Behind these locked doors, it's, at least it's safe. They won't anybody be talking about us. No rumors started. Lord, you know my life is messy enough. And if I get involved with someone else's life, that's going to be double messy. Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. He didn't say if you want to. He didn't say if you qualify. Just as the Father sent me, so I send you. You know, Lord, that I believe in you. You know that I'm a Christian. May not be a disciple, but I'm a Christian. But I don't want you to send me out in this mess. I've, I've got a life, and you know, Lord, that my life is not perfect. You know my failures. You know the heartaches that I have. How could you possibly use someone like me to share the good news in a broken and fallen world? Well, what we have here today is a miniature Pentecost. You all with me? Jesus breathed on them. Remember the first creation story where God breathed and things became and life became. God breathed. And God spoke and things came into being. And God said, it is good. Notice here, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the what? I didn't hear you, church. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Jesus is preparing his disciples to be the church. This group of misfits that you wouldn't have had on a bet, you wouldn't have, neither would I. He's entrusting the kingdom, the kingdom to them just as he does to us, to you. And to me, it's preparing them to be the church, the power to care enough about God for us to forgive one another. 
to love other people unconditionally, to share God's grace regardless of who you are or what you've done. You know, the power to care enough. And like us, friends, let me tell you, they weren't powerless. Now they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and do something, to live. Now that their leader that they thought was gone, now that their leader, they've given power to go out, to go out into the world as Jesus taught them, as Jesus teaches us, and to be his followers to use the gifts and the graces that God has entrusted to each and every one of us so we can become the church. So that we can do God's mighty acts of, of salvation right here and right there. You know, James talks about that in his book, about love, love covering a, a multitude of sins and about leading the sinner back and you, you, you save that person. The power to care enough. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to go into the world. It's the Holy Spirit that opens that door and nudges at our heartstrings when we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit that says, shut up. Shut up. You wore me out with this. I had a guy one time, he was in his 70s, World War II vet. He was one of one of the folks I rented some land from, great guy, wasn't a Christian. And one day he told me, he said, Tommy, I've heard enough. And that was enough. Y'all know what I'm saying? When someone says that, then that's enough. I'm not saying that you just forget them. I continue to pray for him. But, but he finally had enough. This same Holy Spirit calls us to faithful discipleship in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit that calls each and every one of us to grow up to grow up. You see folks that, that, that have been Christians for 50 years and they're infants. Why is that? Never wanted to grow. What does growing do? It stretches us. It's uncomfortable. It is. It's uncomfortable. The Lord puts us in situations to stretch us. And then the next thing you know, the Lord's pruning us. Then the next thing you know, it's like, like those. I don't know what we have at our house, but some of y'all have been by those red things that are blooming. That, that, that there. Then, then there's a beautiful bouquet of things. The Holy Spirit calls us. Calls us beyond ourselves. Calls us to do more than we ever possibly thought that we could. There are some folks right here today that I personally know that the Lord's calling to the ordained ministry. There are some folks here today that I personally know that the Lord is calling to start Sunday school classes and disciple Bible study and, and, and to be a part of this Priscilla Shire thing and share that out into the community, to be a part of breaking bread and the call and on and on and on and on. And, and do we want to stay where it's safe behind locked doors and sit around and shake? I don't want to live my life like that. And I don't think that, that you do either. For it's when we learn to give. When we learn to give is when we truly learn to receive. God does something amazing with that. And how difficult it is many times for us to believe. We all struggle. Sometimes I believe we're in denial. We, we get to thinking, well, the gospel, that, that's real nice until you get to the passion part. 
But that, that's real nice. I'm glad that the Lord cares for folks. But I don't know about me. I don't know about me. Well, friends, the Lord does care for you. And there's nothing that you can do to make him stop caring for you. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So, so you're going to have to deal with it one, one way or the other. Thomas wasn't with them. He was called the twin when Jesus appeared. As a matter of fact, it may have been that Thomas wasn't that afraid. I mean, I don't know if he'd been out playing cards or shooting dice or, or been down to pool hall. I don't know what Thomas had been doing, but he wasn't with them when Jesus showed up. And of course, you know, like, like the 10, you know, he, he wasn't going to believe it. They said, we have seen the Lord. He wasn't impressed. He even went a step further when he said, unless I put the mark, of, unless I see the mark of the nail in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hands in his side, I'm not going to believe. So what do you think about that? You know, it's always easy to tell who spends time with the Lord. People are different. They see things differently. There's a glow about them, and I don't mean physical. They talk different. They're excited. The Word of God becomes alive to them. They even want to tell others about Jesus. For the most part, we're not going to be as bold as what Thomas was, when in reality we may be thinking the same thing. Unless, Lord, you prove yourself to me in one way or another, I'm not going to believe. We want evidence, and then we'll believe. We want Jesus to prove himself over to us over and again. I ask you to pause for a moment this morning and think back in your life. We're awfully good, like I tell my disciple classes, we're awfully good about asking the Lord for something and not real good at saying thank you when we get it or don't get it. Jot down your prayers and go back in three, three months, six months and see how many of them that God answers. And then think about how many times you say thank you. The Lord, whether you know it or not, has been a part of your life, is a part of your life. And sometimes I know that it takes some time. In Thomas' situation, it took a week. They were together, and guess who showed up, Thomas? And then Jesus appears. He told Thomas, he said, go ahead, bud. Feel. Feel my hands. Look at my side. Go ahead. He said, my Lord and my God. Jesus asked Thomas a heart-wrenching question. He said, Thomas, do you believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have never seen any of and have come to believe. Jesus didn't have to have the doors open for him. He didn't have to appear to them, but he did. Today, what are you looking for Jesus to do in your midst? What, what are you waiting for Jesus to do in your midst? To treat him as a, a magician? Or like I have said over and again, to take and put Jesus in a box and put him up on the shelf. And then when we really get to needing him, go and get him, take him off the shelf in a box and undo him. And say, okay, Lord, I need your help. Okay, thanks. Put him back in your box and put him back up there. The Lord doesn't work that way. Remember, God said that, that our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. So what are you waiting on? 
What are you waiting on Jesus to do in your life? I have a, now she's, I don't know, I suppose she's 50 years old now. Cousin who was born with cerebral palsy. Most of her life, she got in the way. Her mother and daddy, Gabe and Betty and Brett. Brett is the one that, that went to prison at 15 years old for murder. Her brother. They lived their life in Illinois. When they moved back to Arkansas, we got to know one another real well. We'd go out and eat. Gabe and Betty and Charlie's Tommy and I, Laurie. We, we'd go out and eat. Always had a good time. I'd lean over and kiss Laurie. And Charlize would act like she is jealous, and that would tickle Laurie to death. I mean, that would tickle that kid to death. She thought it was so funny. One morning as I was leaving church, the little Methodist church that I grew up in, where I gave my heart to Christ, my life to Christ, I walked hurriedly by her, not paying a lot of attention to her. She stuck out her crooked arm with her hands bent and reached for me. She finally got my hand, took it to her mouth, and kissed it, and said, I love you. Friends, that was Jesus appearing to me just as much as he did the disciples that day when he said, peace be with you. How many times have you had something like that go on in your life, and you take it for granted? But when you say, oh, that was going to happen anyway, or that was a coincidence, I ask you today, don't doubt the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of God's Word. It has, God's Word has the power to transform your life and to make you a disciple of Jesus Christ. As the praise team comes this morning, I'm going to say this. More than likely, all of us this week will have an opportunity to open our heart and our eyes. And if we will, and if we will, I am thoroughly convinced that we'll see the risen Christ in our midst. Maybe it's with a child. Maybe it's with a single mom. Maybe it's with a Sunday school teacher that needs encouragement. Maybe it's with the homeless that we have here in Hebrew. Maybe it's with those that are oppressed. I don't know. But what I'm saying is let's be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Amen. Anything at all that you have on your heart that you would like to pray about, I'd be more than happy to pray with you.